Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back. Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I'm excited for this segment. We're going to look back at a little bit of history. We've been talking this morning about the commuted sentence of former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. He, this morning, spoke to media, uh, did so while standing alongside his family. Uh, the president yesterday making it known his intentions to to commute this sentence. Blagojevich on a plane overnight from Denver, from that uh, federal prison where he's been staying for the last stretch of time. He, this morning... Uh, spoke for the first time. Anyway, that was the last segment. Now, what I want to do with you, I want to look back at some of the headline-making pardons uh, handed down by presidents uh, in the past. And we're going to go way back. So some of these may, may not have even made headlines. They're so uh, long ago. But let's start with uh, President Donald Trump. Looking back now to August of 2017, I uh, remember Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, yeah, down there, uh, in Maricopa County, Arizona, he had been convicted of contempt of court for refusing to end the practice of, quote, uh, immigration roundups and was awaiting sentencing at the time before President Trump stepped in and offered a, a pardon to uh, Sheriff Joe. Sheriff Joe is a patriot. Sheriff Joe loves our country. Sheriff Joe protected our borders. And Sheriff Joe was very unfairly treated by the Obama administration, especially right before an election, an election that he would have won. So, and he was elected many times. So, um, I stand by my pardon of Sheriff Joe, and I think the people of Arizona who really know him best would agree with me. A few of the other headline-making either pardons or commutations handed down by President Trump. Scooter Libby, uh, he was the former chief of staff to the vice president of the United States. He was convicted of perjury and obstruction of justice. That was during that CIA leak scandal of uh, years ago. His sentence had already been commuted to time served by President uh, Bush in 2007, uh, just not long after the conviction. And then President Trump issued a pardon on 2018, So, or in 2018. So that highlights the distinction between some of the powers afforded to the president in these circumstances. You can pardon, which is essentially to wipe the record clean and say, listen, all is forgiven. Uh, let's pretend this never happened. Or you can have uh, a sentence commuted, which happened uh, in the case of Blagojevich and uh, what had happened earlier for Scooter Libby uh, by George W. Bush. His sentence had been uh, commuted. Another uh, headline-making pardon. This is Dinesh D'Souza. Remember him? He made all those uh, documentaries. We saw a lot of him during the uh, 2016 uh, presidential campaign, especially around convention time. I ran into him myself a number of times out there in Cleveland. Well, he was convicted 
of some campaign finance violations in 2014 and then pardoned by the president in 2018. There are a few others, but let's uh, let's now look back. President Obama, probably uh, his biggest headline-making pardon was uh, actually it was a commutation of a sentence uh, this time uh, by remember Chelsea Manning the, the army whistleblower convicted uh, by court martial in July of 2013 was sentenced to 35 years in prison for providing uh, some of those classified documents to WikiLeaks this is president obama speaking on the commutation of Chelsea Manning's sentence first of all let's be clear Chelsea Manning has served a tough prison sentence. Uh, So the notion that uh, the average person who was thinking about disclosing uh, vital classified information would think that it goes unpunished, uh, uh, I don't think would get that impression from the sentence uh, that Chelsea Manning has served. Uh, It has been my view that given she went to trial, that due process uh, was carried out, that she took responsibility for her crime, that the sentence that she received was uh, very disproportional disproportionate relative to what uh, other leakers had received. There you have it. Now, President President Trump currently has received uh, some criticism for his pardoning. And it's going back especially to his pardoning of uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And now we've looked uh, just now at one of the commutations handed down by President Obama to, Obama to Chelsea Manning. Uh, now, let me share with you a few from President Bill Clinton. The one that jumps out to me is he pardoned he pardoned an individual named Roger Clinton Jr. Now, you recognize that last name? Yeah, it's because it's his younger half-brother. Did, did you know that Bill Clinton pardoned his younger half-brother, Roger Clinton? He had served a year in federal prison uh, for cocaine possession. And now here's the interesting thing here. He, that year he served in federal prison was between 1985 and 86 for cocaine possession. He was you know, out uh, when President Clinton pardoned him, reached back in time uh, some 20 some odd years and pardoned his brother Roger Clinton Jr. I have uh, dug a little bit into that one. And if you remember way back when I made some some headlines, folks were not happy about that one. There was another interesting one handed down by President Clinton. And this one was, uh, he, he fully pardoned uh, Patty Hearst. If you remember, Patty Hearst was convicted of bank robbery in, in the 70s, 76, after being kidnapped and allegedly brainwashed. Her prison term was initially commuted by Jimmy Carter, and she was out of prison in 1979, and then received a full pardon from President Clinton in 2001. I bring those up, uh, the, the commutations and pardons from uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, because in uh, in 2017, when Trump pardoned Opio, uh Sheriff Joe Arpaio out of Arizona, Maricopa County Sheriff, he had this to say about the pardons and commutations of Clinton and Obama. But I, I wanted to look at some of the other people that were pardoned over the years. And if you look at, as an example, President Clinton pardoned Mark Rich, who was charged with crimes going back decades. 
including illegally buying oil from Iran while it held 53 American hostages, wasn't allowed to do that, selling to the enemies of the United States. He was pardoned after his wife donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Clintons. Then you have dangerous criminals. President Clinton pardoned Susan Rosenberg, a member of the weathered underground, charged as part of a bank robbery that led to a guard and two police officers being killed. Drug dealers, uh, President Clinton commuted the sentence of Carlos Vignali, a central player in a cocaine ring that stretched from California to Minnesota. So time is tight. I won't play that whole audio, but he's essentially going through the list as you and I are now. And I play that to highlight the fact that there's always going to be controversy surrounding the decisions behind uh, commutations and pardons. Let me see. There are a few more I wanted to share with you before I share the big one. we got about 90 seconds left. Um... All right, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to share with you Proclamation 346. This proclamation was handed down in January of 1893 by President Benjamin Harrison. And I only have time to read for you the headline, uh, but it is Proclamation 346, granting amnesty and pardon for the offense of engaging in polygamous or plural marriage to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. President Benjamin Harrison, uh, at the time that Utah was becoming a state, issued forth uh, a pardon of uh, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ who were engaged in polygamy uh, and, uh, how did it phrase it, plural marriage here in Utah. Now, uh, I want to read to you, ah, shoot, time is too tight. I don't have time. But the language is absolutely fascinating. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share this proclamation in full on my Facebook page in just a moment. You can check it out there. In the next segment, we're going to be joined by Paul Cassell with the SJ Quinney School of Law. He's a professor up there. We're going to talk about bail reform. He's made some observations out of Chicago and Cook County that are absolutely fascinating and may have some direct application as to the way we deal with bail here in Utah and across the country. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.